Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. Okay, so we have been talking about Ecclesiastes. Do you all know what else we've been talking about? We've been talking about two other books, really. Proverbs, and we're going to talk about what? Job. Yes, those are called the wisdom books in the Bible. Now, who who in here is thinking there's one more wisdom book in the Bible and you didn't mention it? Is anybody thinking of that? What is it? Does anybody know? Songs of Solomon. Yeah, very good. That is a wisdom book. Now, Now, I don't... I don't, thank you so much, I don't consider Song of Solomon a wisdom book because it's not wisdom in its character or its format or its literacy, but some, for some reason, Mr. John, it just gets tossed in with the wisdom books. I don't know why, and it kind of makes me mad, but yeah, it's considered a wisdom book too. And there are also a couple of wisdom psalms, like what we read last week, Psalm 19, for example, would be a wisdom psalm. So those are our wisdom main three, the big three in the Bible, are Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and Job. That's what we're going to talk about. We're not going to really talk about Song of Solomon. Don't think I don't consider it a wisdom book, but most people do. And then um, there are also some some psalms that are wisdom, and we may speak to a couple of them. The last couple of weeks, we've been just doing an intro, and this is our last week of an intro, and I'm so excited about where we're going to go today. And then after that, next week coming, we may do a little bit of a review just to catch everybody up who's not here today and who can't join us on Facebook Live. But then we're they're going to dive into Job, okay? And so hopefully this, hopefully you have almost finished all the Proverbs. We've gone all the way from Proverbs 1, hopefully now all the way to about Proverbs 21 to 28. So we are almost done with our Proverbs. So if you have some time, finish that up. And then we're going to start reading of Job. We're going to get into Job chapter 1 and chapter 2 next week, okay? And so this week, though, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about. So I'm going to draw a roadmap out for everybody. And then we're going to then we're going to talk about the roadmap. And then I'll tell you all what we talked about. So here's what we're going to talk about, all right? Number one thing, we're going to talk about form criticism. Now, you probably may never have heard, have you ever heard, Mr. David, of form criticism? No, you never have. But it's a cool thing that you say. So you get, and you know, you're at work, Mr. John, and y'all start having a conversation about Jesus or something like that. And you say, well, what do you think about form criticism? People's mouth is going to drop. They're going to be like, you, what is that? I'm like, yeah, I'm that smart guy. <laughs> Try, whip that out in Sunday school. Whip that out in your Bible study. Hey, what do you think about form criticism? They're going to be impressed. So you can use that. Number two, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about apocryphal books. Apocryphal books. Now, does anybody know what the apocrypha is? Yeah, Mr. Donnie. Well, that's that's the letters that were not included in the Bible. Yes, absolutely. And when? Yeah, when were they written? Mostly, when were they written? Do you know? I think the same time frame. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, do you remember the intertestamental period? So, that's going to be about from A.D. or um, B.C. 450 till about the time that Jesus was born. They would have been written at about that time, all right, the apocryphal books. And you mentioned they didn't make it into the Bible. Yeah, they did not make it into the Bible. I think I told you last time I was here, I've got a 
My yeah. grandmother had a new te- a, a Bible, not a New Testament. Mm-hmm. The pocketbook was in the middle of it. It is, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and you read it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to talk about two wisdom books of Apocrypha. So we're going to talk about that. And then why they didn't make it. Does anybody know why didn't they make it in the Bible? Why didn't they make it in the canon? We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to end up, and we're going to talk about, well, are there some Egyptian wisdom books or some Babylonian wisdom books or some Palestine wisdom books that we should know about? And, and if there are, did the Jews borrow from the Egyptians? Did the Babylons borrow from the Israelites? Who borrowed from who? If they're the exact same or almost the exact same books, what do we make of that? What do we do of that? So we're going to talk, that's what we're all we're going to talk about today. But the very first thing we're talking about is form criticism. You remember that word that you can impress your Sunday school teachers with? What is form criticism? Okay, so here it is. Um, you brought me some markers. Thank you so much, Kat. So if you're watching on like online, um, you probably won't be able to see this unless you zoom in. So, um, so I'll try to say everything that I write, but I'm just going to write down at the very top, form criticism. Um, I'm going to just write critics, okay? So do y'all remember what Darwin would teach when he started the evolution theory or evolution or um, what he would teach about some, what it would go from simple to complex. That's what Darwin would teach. Remember this? It doesn't go, uh, we don't start out life by living uh, uh, a huge whale in the ocean. That's not how life starts, right? Life starts in a pool and from a single, uh, not even a cell, but from a single molecule creates a what? A cell. And then a cell becomes a multi-cell. And then a multi-cell becomes something with lungs and oxygen. This happens over millions upon billions of years. Then eventually you get a multicellular thing that can swim in the ocean that we call a whale. But life doesn't start out as a whale. It starts out as a what? A single proton or a single neutron or a single electron. That's what Darwin would say. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's what he taught, right? It goes from simple and then it goes from to complex. Well, this was groundbreaking, like revolutionary when he would teach about evolution. Oh, what happens? And so not only did this like and 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 it drug in, it brought in the scientific community that like, opened their ears, but it also brought in a bunch of biblical scholars. And biblical scholars would say, hey, Darwin knows what he's talking about here. Darwin, he may not, he may be a little bit off about how this happened, but uh, we think this simple to complex stuff makes a lot of sense. And the three main biblical scholars that rose from out of that are known as the three form critics, and they ruled the 19th century, well, the 20th century, the 1900s, and here's what they would say, okay? They would say this. They would say that our Proverbs, our wisdom books of the Bible, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Job, here's what they did. Number one is that they would always go from simple to complex. Now, notice that I don't say I believe this. You don't have to believe this. You may believe this, and that's okay. Um, I don't necessarily buy into this, but here's the idea, is that it would go simple, meaning a what? A two-liner. A simple little two-liner. Now, give me an example of a two-liner that's a proverb. Does anybody know? And it doesn't even have to be from the Bible. You know one? (laughs) If I wouldn't ask, you would would say it. Okay. I'm on Facebook. I can't say it. Okay. How about this? I'll just give you a normal one that we all say. Uh, any hunters, I know we have a couple of hunters in the room. You can't kill them if you what? If you ain't 
Huh? If you don't see them, all right? That's a good proverb. I was thinking if you ain't, you can't kill them if you ain't with them. But yeah, I like that one even better. All right. We know another proverb like absent from um, what is it? At, uh, uh, out of sight. What? Out of, mind. out of mind. Those are all two liners, right? Well, the proverb has a lot of those little two liners. Blessed are the righteous. Cursed are the the wicked. Right. Over and over and over again. Proverb has two liners. That's simple. That's simple. Now, what would be complex? Well, it would eventually go to a three-liner or to a four-liner, and it would end up at some place where the proverb would say there are six things that the Lord detests or hates or cannot stand. No, there are seven things that he detests. Do y'all, have y'all read those proverbs? Have you been reading the proverbs? There are six things that you should learn from. No, seven that should catch your eye. Learn from the lion as he roars. Or, do you remember this? The chicken that shruts. Or the, I don't know, I can't think of another one. The ant, as he does what? Stores up his food. You remember reading that? So he said, these are six things. He goes, no, 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 not six. These are seven things. Now that's complex. That took some thought into writing that. So we, they would say that in the Proverbs, in Ecclesiastes, it would go from simple and then, oh, it would go to complex. Now, the second thing that they would say is, oh, number two, it would go from international to Jewish, meaning that the very beginning of the Proverbs, when it was first begun, it would just talk about something like, oh, the ways of the Lord they are right and just, but the path of the wicked lead to destruction. Does that have anything about Jewish law or, or Jewish in any idea? No, absolutely not. But when you get into some Job passages or just some Ecclesiastes passages, when it talks about Jewish theology, they would say, hey, look, those are actually later. Those are later. And then third, they would say, well, what it, whatever is secular, what does secular mean? It means not... Christian is what we would say today, but in that time it wasn't Christian. What was it? It would be Jewish, all right, or Hebrew thought. Whatever was secular was before, but whatever is later would be religious. Now, notice that we have a connotation around religious. Like, religious is going to church. And it kind of has a bad connotation now, like, oh, you're religious or something like that. There's a big fad right now going on to say, I left my religion, but I found Jesus, or I found God. Have you heard people saying this? It's 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 really going on a lot in the young in the younger generation. I would say, have you seen people say, I I've lost my religion, but guess who I found? I found God. So religion has I didn't even finish spelling it. Um, has a negative connotation behind it, but that's not how they would have viewed religion. They would have viewed religion as what as having one God. One God. So they would say anything that's secular, meaning that it's polytheistic. What does polytheistic mean? I don't want to say something. In multiple gods, yes. Now, what does polygamy mean? That's a, that's a cool oh, word. Spouses. Multiple spouses, yeah, very good. And we had a long discussion about that. Um, I think it was yesterday and um, after the, the slap that Will Smith had to Chris Rock. Did y'all see that? Did anybody see that? That was crazy, wasn't it? Well, pow! I was like, okay. So... So, when, so anything that's going to say something like, if you have a hot head, guess what you will do? You will burn fire down upon your friends. But if you're even-tempered, guess what you will do? Even your enemies will speak well of you. So that has, does that have anything to do with religion? 
No, that only has that's set, um, that's not that's not doesn't talk about God. Doesn't talk about Jesus. Doesn't talk about a monotheistic God. It's just hey, that's good. This would be first. But when it says the fear of the Lord is the what is the beginning of of wisdom. When it says that, what's that? That would be that would be later. Now, am I saying, Cap, that I believe in this? I believe what the form critics say. I, no, no, I don't. I think that Solomon just wrote whatever came to his mind, and when it came to his mind, he wrote it down. And I say that as an author, so I, that's what I do. How many times have you seen me? Um, be, hey, don't say anything right now. I got a thought. Okay, and then put out my notes, and I, I'm, I'm typing something on my phone just to get it. Or I run and go find you know, that little book that I had last night, and I just write something down in my little book to say, hey, I had a thought. And now that I had a thought, I want it to escape me. Let me write it down. And so when I'm writing, I'm publishing something, I can easily bring it back up. And I do that for sermons all the time. I don't think of my sermons in a day. I think of my sermons in 25 years. I write stuff down if I'm just thinking. And I pull back from that, right? That's, that's how you do your life too, right? I think that's what Solomon did. I think he had a thought, he wrote it down. I think that, that was the first, whatever thought he had first, first one he wrote down. So that's my take. Now, why do I talk about the form critics? I only talk about the form critics because I want you to know about them and I want you to be aware because there are going to be some people that say, ah, the Bible really isn't true. The Bible really has so many contradictions. The Bible really copies the Egyptians and the Babylonians. Have you ever read the Babylonian Job? Ah, the Bible, you even have form criticism in your own what, what is it? I'm not going to say religion because religion has a negative connotation. Let me just say theology. You Christians can't even agree on yourself. So what are you going to say? Well, you're going to say, well, do, do, does anybody in any organization that has more than two people agree on everything? And you would say, absolutely not. Because people disagree with each other. And is that okay? Is that, is that cool? Is, that, is it okay that we disagree on something? Yeah, that's okay. So when people bring something like this up to you, say, get out of here. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about, cat. Okay, I'm going to search. Oh, I found what I was searching for. Can I erase this? Y'all got this? Okay, right, I'm going to erase this. Why did you bring up Solomon in that? Why did I bring up Solomon in that? Because I missed that. Yeah, because Solomon wrote, yeah, good question, very good question. Because Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs. He wrote 1 through 30. Do you know who wrote 30 and 31? It's a guy by the name of King Lemuel and King Augur. So they, so they did write two. He wrote 29 of them, okay? And he also, we think, do we know? We don't know. But we are almost positive that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. We're almost positive. We said, why can't you be fully positive? Because he says he's the... He's King David's son, and he ruled in power. But he had actually two sons that ruled in power. Do you remember this story? Because the one son, I believe his name is Abdomen. Absalom. Yeah, Absalom. He ruled for how long? Like very shortly, right? I don't know either, but very shortly. Thank you for the name. Abdomen. Yeah, the Abdomen. I'm going to kill my Abdomen. I've been trying, you know, running. All right, so that's exactly it. He, he could be Abdomen. But we're almost like 99% sure that it's, who, that it's Solomon. And so we think that he wrote Ecclesiastes and most of Proverbs. So he would have the so most wisdom. Was he a form critic? I, I, I'm not getting the title. Okay, okay, no, 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 no. Form critics would have been in the like 1900s. But Solomon wasn't thinking, oh, I, when he's writing, I have to go from simple to complex. I need to go a two-liner. Okay. 
And then I need to come down here and write a three-liner. Yeah. And now I'm going to write a four-liner. Yeah. And that's how I'm going to organize my Proverbs. No, they were just saying, you know what? I, I had a thought. And this was my belief. You don't have to believe this. You should, I think. I have a thought today. I think that you should learn from this ant. Because this ant is not lazy. Look at that doorknob right there. Lazy people like a doorknob. They just swing in and out, in and out. That's what a lazy person looks like in the bed. Don't you love that proverb? Like, wow, that really hits you in the face. It's cool, right? So this is what Solomon would say. And I don't think that he was thinking, oh, I, I need to be a form critic on that. Very good question. Yeah. Well, hopefully Very good question. you said there were three known form critics. Three known you form said, critics. You said Darwin. Who was the other No, no, no. Okay, so Darwin was not a form critic for the Bible. He was a secular form critic, meaning oh, that okay. he was out there in talking, like, in the real world, talking in, like, in the oh, real okay. world, in the secular world, talking about... It, life goes from simple to complex, but the three main form critics that was in the the Christian world, it was a guy by the name of I think William McCain would be the the first one who came on the scene, and I'm not gonna I don't know the other two, I can't tell you the names of the other two, I just know that one. Um, yeah, okay, um, and if I do find out the names of the other two, I'll be sure that I tell you, um, and I'll look in my notes. Okay. What are we going to talk about next? Does anybody remember what we're going to talk about next? We're going to talk about, anybody remember? Yes, very good. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about, pronounce that word. Huh? Pronounce that word. Apocrypha. Apocrypha. Yeah. So what does apocrypha mean? Letters are included in the Bible. Yeah, letters are included. It's, 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 it's a form of chicken pox. So, uh, no, yeah, very good. Well, I didn't know how to spell it. Me yeah, well, <laughs> that, that's okay. I, I'm going to erase that. Will somebody Google Apocrypha? <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, I'm going to Google it. Okay. I think there's a Y in there. Okay. All right. Can, 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 somebody, can you type, type it in on your phone like a text message and it'll spell it right for you? Um, uh, K A T. Is it spelled right on this? Yes, it is. How, does, how did I spell it right there? Is it spelled in here? P T. No, that's not it. I don't think it's. Um, a -P okay. It's A P O C R Y P H A. Okay, yeah, Apocrypha. There we go. Okay, so there are two intertestament Apocrypha works of wisdom. The very first one that we're going to talk about is called Ecclesiasticus. Now, notice that that sounds a lot like what? Ecclesiastes. But does anyone know the root word in Ecclesiasticus? Yeah, almost. Okay, yes. That's very, very close. It's a word called ecclesia. Now, you're like, Drake, why would you even nerd out and tell me that? Um, Mr. John, would you open up your Bible right there and turn to um, Ecclesiastes chapter 3? Yeah, but this is the Greek. I was looking for all <laughs> No, I did that on purpose. <laughs> I was just wanting to see your reaction. Okay, so I gave you the Greek Bible. Yes, I did. And I did that on purpose. I just wanted to see your reaction. Here, here's that. Can you read I gotta go lie. Okay, so in the Greek New Testament, there's a word in there that's called ecclesiasticus, or um, ecclesia is actually what it's called, ecclesia. 
And that word means church. Ecclesia means church. And so the, what, where this word comes from is because in the early church, this book was one of the first ones to be accepted into the Bible. And so they said, you know what? This book is being read in almost every church. We're going to call it the church book. So what they call it? Ecclesiasticus. Ecclesiasticus. It also has two more names, and I'm going to write them because I like these two names better. It's because it was called this before it was called anything else. The wisdom, wisdom of Sirach. So if you so if you don't know how to spell Sirach, S-I-R-A-C-H. Wisdom of Sirach. Um, and I think it may actually have an A on the end, but let me look at that. Let me. Wisdom of Sarah. No, I spelled it right. Okay, somehow. That can't be right. It just doesn't even look right. It's Sarah. Sarah. Where'd it go? Wisdom of S I R A C H. Okay, that's right. All right, Wisdom of Sarah. <laughs> yeah, lucky. All right, that's one word. That's one name. And the second name is this Wisdom of. Jesus. Now, when I first saw this, I freaked out. I thought, wisdom of Jesus, that's so cool. Like, what in the world? Now, you may be thinking the same thing I did. Wisdom of Jesus, what, what, what? This is not the Jesus that you're thinking about. This is not the Jesus you're thinking about. When was this book written? It was written the best that they can tell. Why do I say the best that they can tell? Because do we really know the exact year that something was written? No. No, but we can guess the best guess, probably at least within three years to three years former, 138 BC. I mean, 178, 178 BC. So that was way before Jesus. It's actually talking about this guy right here called Sirach. Jesus was the son of Sirach. Just a random guy named Jesus. But guess what Sirach's father was also called? And by the way, when I say also, you probably get it. He was called what? Jesus. He was called Jesus too. And so the OG, the grandfather, wrote all like a ton of sayings. A lot of sayings. Actually, 51 chapters worth of sayings. And then he gave it to who? Sirach, his child, and said, hey, I want to give you this present. And what did Sirach do with it? He said, like most children do. Ah, thanks. Great. You know, I just gave you my life's work, son. I spent so much time on this, and you get it. And he said, ah, thanks, Dad. I just bought you a brand new car. Saved up 15 years to put you through college. And what do you say? You drop out, fail a class. Thanks, Dad. Way to go. Thanks for showing me, you know, you appreciate my sacrifice. That's what kids do, right? But the grandchild, don't you just love your grandchildren? They're, they will come through for you in the end. Well, at least this one did. This one did. <laughs> Jesus, what did Jesus say? Jesus, the, the, the son of Sirach, he found his grandfather's work and said, this is awesome. You know what I'm going to do with this? I'm going to polish it up. And so he did. He polished it up. Now, why would he have to polish it up? Because 
Doesn't our language change day in and day out? Your parents, your grandparents, they spoke a different language a little bit than we did today. They used different words, different terminology, different phraseology even, different examples of life. And so he just freshened it up, kind of twisted it up, kept the same 51 chapters, and then he published it. Now, you say, Drake, he published it. What did he do? Get a printing press? Okay, let me type. All right. No, the printing press wasn't invented until the 1400s. No, that's not what he did. What he did do, though, is he said, you know what? I'm going to make this. I'm going to put this out to the world. And that's what he did. He said, hey, here's a scribe. Copy that. Send it out. Here's a scribe. Hey, sit down. Copy that. Scribes copied it. And it went out, and it went out, and it went out. And eventually, it became really well-known, really popular. The wisdom of Sirach, the wisdom of Jesus, or Ecclesiasticus. Whatever you want to do, however you want to call it, you can call it what you want, but there it is. Now, what does it compare to? Take your sheets that I gave you, and um, hopefully in your sheets you will find the very first, the, this sheet right here. This is all wisdom cometh from the Lord at the very top. You see that right there? All wisdom cometh from the Lord. Do you all see that? Oh, I can like maybe show and then if they can screenshot that. If you're on the live, can you see that kind of up close maybe a little bit on the live? Do you uh, want to screenshot that? It, well, no. Not really. I okay. can see the page. Right, maybe like this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if you want to screenshot that. Um, you can't, but otherwise, um, no. Okay, so here's an example of Ecclesiasticus, and I just did, I believe, the first five chapters. Yes, I just got through the first five chapters. Now, how many chapters is 51? But I didn't want to waste that much paper, and I figured you're probably just going to throw it away anyways, and so I just gave you the first five. But let's compare a couple of things with Ecclesiasticus from our other wisdom books. So first, what we're going to ask is this is a comparison. How do they compare? Okay, here's what we're going to ask. What is similar about the books? What in the world is similar? And then we're going to ask the question, well, since all those things are similar, what's different? Now, right off the bat, one of the first things is similar is that it calls wisdom a her. It's feminine. Now, do your, do your Proverbs say, refer to wisdom as a he? No. It says, she called out in the streets, or her wisdom. Wisdom has a female, uh, a feminine aspect. So that's the first. It calls wisdom her. All right? Um, which is very, very, very rare. So that's pretty cool. All right? Second thing is how they're alike. It has many my son statements. Many my son statements. All right. Let me see if I can find you an example of a my son statement. Let me look on here and see if we have any. Uh, two one. Okay. Chapter two verse one. I love you. <laughs> Perfect. Yes, my son. If thou come to serve the Lord, prepare thy soul for temptation. Boom! Right off the bat. See if you, can you find a her. Um, statement. I think I may see one in verse nine, maybe one verse one verse yeah. nine. He created her and saw her and numbered her and poured out her upon all his works. And the her is wisdom. Yeah, very good. Okay, um, let's say this. Um, 
I want you to complete the statement. This is an easy statement for you to complete. Fear of the Lord is the what? Can you complete that? Yeah, we said it over and over. But guess what? Can someone read 114 for me? It's there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Whoa. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's pretty cool, huh? So now you're thinking, okay, Drake, you gave me those three comparisons. That's really good. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to back up and give me a macro shot. You know what a macro shot is in photography? A macro shot is when you can get way away from it and you can back up and get the whole thing in view and take a picture. Give me a macro shot of how these two compare side by side. Okay, I'll give you one. Number four. It's this. Take something like wealth. Alright? Take something like wealth. No other book does this that I have read or that I have studied. Because I've studied more than I've read. So have you. You've watched more than you've read. Probably. Probably. You've probably studied more than you read. Studied about more than you read. Wealth. Wealth. How does it look at wealth? Here's how it looks at wealth. It says, you know what? Wealth has a certain responsibility. And that responsibility can be a what? Yep. I love y'all. That's it. Who else said It can be a burden. It really can. Now, is it always a burden? Am I saying that wealth is bad? Is Ecclesiastes saying that wealth is bad? Is Ecclesiasticus saying wealth is bad? No. No, it's just saying that wealth has some responsibility, and that responsibility can be a burden. I'll give you an example. Kat, have you checked your stocks and looked at how much you've lost in the last year? No, you haven't? Me neither. You know why? <laughs> because if we had something, a penny worth, you know? Now, have you checked your stocks in the last year? Maybe not. You may not want to know how much you've lost in the last year, in the past 12 months, and good for you. But can't that cause uh, a worry? Can't that cause a worry in you? Now, God has blessed me and Kat, and we have money. We're good. But we're not millionaires either. So we don't have to worry about family and friends always coming up to us and being like, hey, got ten dollars. I, I need gas money, you know. You got ten dollars. You're a millionaire. You can spare a couple thousand, can't you? I just let me get up on my payments. We don't have to worry about people coming to us. But <laughs> but some of you do. Some of you do. And you know people that that is a very true statement in their life where people, family members, close friends, ah, oh, give me this. I know people in my own family have some money and have to worry with that and have to deal with that. It's tough, isn't it? It can be worrisome. So Ecclesiastes is going to say, hey, I see that. And he's going to write to that, which I'm glad God understands because Ecclesiastes says the same thing. And I'm glad that God sees that there is a burden. There is a worry with wealth. And so he doesn't say something this terrible to be wealthy, no. I know people who are way more generous than me that have way more money than I do. It's not about whether you have money or not. It's how do you use what you have? How do you use what you have? And that's what he's going to teach. Number five, he said, okay, well, you've given me a macro shot. 
Can you give me a micro shot? Now, a micro shot, you would think in photography would be, okay, let me get right up next close, and that's exactly what it is. You take a really, it's called a prime lens, and you put a micro lens, I'm gonna say adapter on it, and you can get right up to something, and you can just see little ridges in your watch. It's beautiful photography. I love it, I love it. I'll give you a micro shot of this. If you would, look at, in your paper, Look at Ecclesiasticus 14, 16. And then if someone has their Bible, if someone has their Bible, can you turn to Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes, all right, it's a difference, 9, 10. Chapter 9. Well, that makes me sad. I forgot. I have not... Okay, I'm going to look up real quick Ecclesiasticus 14. I'm so sorry. I cannot believe I forgot to do that or why I thought. Yeah, so read um, 10 for me or Ecclesiastes 9, 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Yeah, so whatever you find to do, do it with what? Do it with all your might. All right, 14, 16. Here it goes. Here's what it reads. All right. Give and take and sanctify thy soul. So what does he say? Do it, whatever you find to do. Sanctify your soul, for there is no seeking these, and it uses the word denity, so I didn't know what that means, but it's pleasures. In the grave. Isn't that really similar? Aren't they real similar? I mean, not word for word, but nothing's going to be word for word. But it's the idea with the idea, right? Okay, you see that? So you think, well, great. This sounds really close to Ecclesiastes. And this is the wisdom of Sirach, or it's the wisdom of Jesus, or Ecclesiasticus. Well, why in the world isn't it in the Bible? I'm going to tell you. I'm glad you asked. And here's why. Um, I'm going to move, if it's okay with you, to this board. And I hope you all can see it, all right? So con let's contrast. Um, I'm going to write in red because red is the color contrast. Should be contrast. Okay, there we go. Number one, here's what it does. It equates the wisdom to the law. What do you mean? I mean this. In none of our wisdom books that we have, not a single one, not a single one, does it say, you sh this is the law. If you don't do this, this is a sin. It just says, this is some good wisdom. Here you go. You can have it. But it doesn't say, this is the law. This is just like the law of Moses. But Ecclesiasticus, it does. It does say that. It says, these sayings are just as the law of Moses they are pure and genuine and should be followed. So none other one says that. All right, I'll give you, let me give you one more. I, think, I may have two more. Here's what it says, okay? Do you remember when we studied the Muslim religion we talked about almsgiving? Mm -hmm. Almsgiving, okay? Here's what it's going to say. How, and it's, this is easy. You'll be able to say it. I know why it's not in there now. It's going to say almsgiving, guess what it produces? Produces sanctification. Do you know what sanctification means? Yeah, it makes you like whole. 
clean. Yes. Sanctified you like yes. You know, like salvation. That's part of the From, process. Exactly. From sins. Yeah. So it's gonna say, you pay alms. We would say, what would we say? We would say, you give a tithe, give an offering. But we have, when I asked Mr. John last minute, can you say the tithe and offerings prayer, Mr. John? Because I don't have anybody. It's hard to get people to pray and read the scripture. Do y'all know that? It's, a lot of people don't want to do that. I was like, hey, can you pray? Can you? He said, well, Drake, be good if you ask them a week before. They'd be ready. You're right. It would be. I need to do that better, too. All right. So. I think that's what I told you. Yeah. <laughs> don't ask me. Don't, don't, don't ask me. Uh -uh. Don't text me the night before. Just give me. Give me, give me good space. I, 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 in my defense, I did do that for a sound like, I say my defense. Oh, yeah, I tried it for one month. And I think every single week of that month, I got to church and I was like, my person's not here. <laughs> so I was like, I looked at Kath, like, can you read? I'll read next Sunday. Just read. He's like, okay, I got it. I got it. What do you want me to read? I don't care. <laughs> if you ever see me staring cat down and I'm on the front row, you know what's happening. Like we don't have anybody to read; they have not come. So yeah, it was. So, anyways, all right. He's gonna say, almsgiving produces what? Sanctification from sins. Okay. There's one more huge difference, and I'm gonna say, um, I have the exact verse that I can show you. And I'll, if you can look at that, go to 330. I don't want you to see this for yourself. Go to 330, and you'll see what I'm talking about with the almsgiving. Can someone read it? It's the first one to get there, 3 verse 30. Water will quench a flaming fire, and alms make it an atonement for sin. Yes, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, can, can you see a little bit of that, maybe why it didn't get in the canon just from a couple of little things that we kind of see. And I, I kind of saw, you kind do you, do you, what do you think about that verse? Let me know what you think about that verse. Because you can't, you're not going to be forgiven for sins by anything you do. Right. It's all what Jesus did. Okay, very so true. that contradicts. Now let me ask you this. Okay, so is it okay if we go a little bit off topic here? Is anybody okay? Mr. Will, I, I don't care if anybody, if nobody else is okay. Are you okay with it? If you're okay with it, we're rolling. Well, All right, we're rolling. Because this was written before Jesus. Yes, it was written before Jesus. And But let me ask you this. Do you remember the Catholics? And, and I, love, I have some dear, dear Catholic friends. But a long time ago, probably around the 1400s, 1500s, you know what they were doing? They would say, if you pay me some money, do y'all remember studying this? If you pay me yeah. enough money, yeah. guess what I'll do? I'll give you a ticket to heaven. And you know, you ask, well, how'd they build these? Yeah, have you ever heard this? Yeah, so how do you think they have these big, huge cathedrals built? Massive grand cathedrals of the medieval ages. They were trying to get people to heaven. Oh, man, look at this big building. Hey, we need to build a new big building. Hey, if you pay us some money, guess what? We're going to buy you right to heaven. That's how, they got, that's how they got money for the big, huge Great buildings that they have. Yeah. Um, where there's a red wall, I'm gonna kill it. What's it called? Atonement. Yes. Yes. Okay. Sacrifice or something like that. Yes. It was. Uh, uh, it starts with a P. Um, I forgot. What, oh, there it is. Someone just said the sound's not working. The sound's not working. Okay. I'll text and say Drake will post it on his podcast tonight, <laughs> and I'll drop a link in the description. Okay. So. 
Um, let me just say the last contrast that we have, and then we'll move on. Thank y'all for the um, death of Satan over there. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook Live, we just had a red wasp enter the room, so we had to we had to kill it. All right, teachings. Here's what it does. It teaches. It's gonna have teachings, and they're gonna say of history. What? Of history of the covenant and of Israel. They're going to teach. Ecclesiastes is going to teach. Now, you've heard me say, in Ecclesiastes, in Job, in Proverbs, in some of the wisdom Psalms, in some of Solomon, you're not going to learn anything on the history, not one thing. You're not going to learn anything on the covenant and the covenant that God made with his people. But guess what? In Ecclesiastes, you will. Let me read to you from Ecclesiastes, and I don't think that you have this, 44, um, and 16, and 17. Here's what it says. Let me see if I can find it. 51 chapters, 44. Okay. Enoch pleased the Lord and was translated, being an example of repentance to all generations. Verse 17. Noah was found perfect and righteous in the time of wrath. Abraham was a great father to many people. And it goes on. It talks about person after person after person. It goes on to talk about Aaron. And a lot of people say, you know what? It talks in Ecclesiastes about heroes of the faith. That's what it's about to talk about. Now, who else, what other Bible verse talks about the heroes of the faith? Anybody know? Hebrews, yeah, very good. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about, hey, look at the hall, what's it called? Anybody know the hall of fame? No, the hall of faith chapter in the Bible. And it talks about people like Noah and Abraham and Aaron. And it even talks about somebody like Rahab. It was all the way talking about it. He says, hey, look, these people right here, they're cheering you on. And a lot of people think, you know what? Whoever wrote Hebrews, who wrote Hebrews? Mm -hmm. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe Paul. Yeah, a lot of people think Paul. Does um, this person think Paul? This person <laughs> doesn't even know what. It's bad when you don't even know what you think. I mean, it's okay to, to not know, but when you don't even know what you think, that's when you're really in trouble. So I don't know. He's going to say, yeah, maybe he just copied. Whoever wrote it, maybe he just copied from Ecclesiasticus. All right. Well, we got one more that we're going to try to get in if you want to go to 730. Do you want to talk for four more minutes, or do you want to pack it up right where we are and head on to the casa? You tell me. Have you had enough or not? Do you want me to finish it up? Okay, all right. Let's go. Hey, what was number five on there? You never wrote it down. Yeah. I didn't write number five right here? No. Okay. Um, number five was the macro shot. I'm sorry. Cindy, Cindy said there's no sound. There's no sound. Okay. You'll be texted if you're a little late. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I... Yeah. Someone texted me and said, there's no sound, but he looked really into it. We've got captions. I won't tell her, but it's real good. Yeah, good <laughs> captions. Oh, man. I'll post it. I recorded it on my laptop, so I'll post it on the podcast and I'll send it out if anybody wants to listen. Okay, number five was that it was similar because, let's see, let's see, let's see. It was the micro shot and it was Ecclesiastes 9.10 versus Ecclesiasticus 
the abbreviation right there, 1416. And it said what? Whatever, whatever your hand finds to do, semicolon, do it. Alright? It's going to say that. And that was the micro shot, a verse-by-verse -verse comparison. Okay, very good. You notice that we have not gotten and we will not get to the Egypt and the Babylonian and all that good stuff, which I am so pumped to talk about because it's amazing. So we will get to that next Wednesday. And I hope that's okay. I really do. I hope that's okay because uh, I'm not the best with time. <laughs> We're learning a lot. I hope you're learning a lot. I hope, you're, I hope that's the point. Okay, last one that we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about real quick, is wisdom of wisdom of a guy named Solomon. Now, this is the second apocryphal book. First apocryphal book, we just talked about it, Ecclesiasticus. The second apocryphal book is called The Wisdom of Solomon. Now that really gets your attention. But remember, when was all apocryphal books written? In about 400, yes, very good, after. So when was this going to be written? Around the same time, I'm going to say probably closer to the 100s B.C. That's a really conservative late date, but let's just give it that. So who didn't write this? Who did not write? Solomon did not write this. So somebody, whoever it is, impersonated Solomon, and now he's trying to pull the wool over thousands of years, or a thousand years. Solomon lived in about 960 B.C., and so about roughly 800 to 850 years, he's trying to say, oh, guess who I am? I'm Solomon. And we're saying, we're not going to buy that. We're not that silly. And so now you can see, well, that's why it's not accepted in the Bible. Because right off the bat, whoever wrote it is lying. And if he's lying in his writing, it can't be God-inspired. Now you say, well, he never says he's Solomon. And he doesn't. He never said, this is Solomon. I am Solomon. But the whole thing, he pretends to be Solomon. And that's a lie. When you pretend to be someone you're not, that's lying. And we can do that in our life, don't we? We can do that. He says, you know what? I'm Solomon. He doesn't says it, but he gives a lots of allusions to it. And so what is this book about? Now, this book is going to be real quick. I'm going to get this out of the way, and then we're going to be headed home for the home run, all right? But don't miss this, because this is so awesome, all right? He's going to write this to as a correction. Mr. John, to your point, he's going to write it as a correction to what? To Ecclesiastes. Now, you know that in Ecclesiastes, if you've been reading, there are some controversial passages. Passages that say what? Passages that say, hey, tell your youth to do whatever they want to do. He says that in Ecclesiastes. And then you know what he ends up saying? He says, yeah, but when they do it, guess what? They're going to be held accountable for it. <clears throat> so, nah, should they do it? No, you would never tell your son that. There are a lot of statements in Ecclesiastes that make you go, mm, why would someone say that? To which Mr. John pointed that out to me this today, tonight. All right? So this guy is going to be, hey, Ecclesiastes, you shouldn't have said all that. And who do we think wrote it? Solomon. 
We think Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. And so he's going to write it as a correction to Ecclesiastes. Now, you ask the question, what in the world's going on to make this guy impersonate someone and write a correction to a Bible, to a book in the Bible? And here's what's going on. Is that Proverbs, hang on with me, goes to Ecclesiastes, and then Ecclesiastes goes the wisdom of Solomon. You say, Drake, what do you mean? All right. Give me now. Hear me now. Proverbs says, in chapter 19, I believe, says this, the righteous will always prosper, but the wicked mm -mm, will always be cursed. And you read that, and you think, mm, I know some wicked people, and they are seem blessed. To which, I would say this. I have met with a lot of people who seem to be blessed, and I know that they're wicked, and they got from wicked stuff, and I go talk to them, their marriage is falling apart, their finances are falling apart, they're struggling. I would say, what does it cost them to be wicked? But Proverbs is going to say, hey, righteous, they're blessed. Wicked, they're always cursed. But Ecclesiastes comes to it, and you know this, Mr. John. He's going to say, I've seen the wicked prosper. I've seen them live in huge houses. I've seen them great success, great power. So Ecclesiastes asked the question, why is it, God, that you punish the, the righteous and they die short deaths and they die cruel deaths and they are broken, they are poor and wicked? Why are they wicked blessed? I don't understand that. So do you see how they both ask two different questions? And so he, Wisdom of Solomon, comes along and looks right back to the Proverbs and says, hey, look, whoever wrote Ecclesiastes, which he's going to say was Solomon, he's going to say, he just, he, he just don't know what he was, what was he doing that day? He shouldn't have, he, he, he was just having a bad day. I'm going to correct this. Hey, guess what happens? The wicked, the wicked, they do not prosper. They do not prosper. The righteous, it's the righteous who prosper. And I gave you a sheet with the passages on there. And I'm not going to read them, but I will say, if you want to, it's just the first two. Wisdom of Solomon has 19 chapters. Has 19 chapters. I'll write this on, write this on here for you. 19 chapters. I just gave you the first two. But if you would like, um, you can read these anytime you want to. And you can say, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, man, I can see he is just roasting whoever wrote Ecclesiastes saying, hey, the wicked God watches over the wicked, but the, but the, the God watches over the righteous, but the wicked, nah, nah. They're like shaft. No, nope, no, nope, they don't prosper.